0: Well, it's lovely to to be here. Thank you so much for for taking part in this afternoon session. Um, As James introduced, I'm Director of Media Development at the Thompson Reuters Foundation, um, which is a new position for me. Uh, I've only been in it for a few months, uh, having previously been in uh, Belinda's role. And I'd like to talk to you just for a few minutes about this whole issue of media development, well, what, what is this? And, and then, in, in particular, how does it affect the reporting of the underreported? Because when I came into the, the role of director of media development, I had a lot of questions, and I sort of wanted to go right back to basics and just say, you know, what are we doing here? Why are we doing it? What, what's it all about? And where is the impact, that, that key impact question? So that's what I did. I, I did a strategic review of our activities which have been going on for about uh, over 25 years in this space. Uh, the Reuters Foundation became the Thomson Reuters Foundation in 2008 when Thomson bought Reuters. But I, I went right back to basics as I looked at the team and the activities that we were doing and I asked, sorry not four questions, I, I added an extra one this morning, <laughs> five, <laughs> five questions. Um, just basically What the heck are we trying to do here? Uh, Where are the greatest needs? A key point. How do we do this in environments where it's particularly tricky? How do you support independent news, say, in a country like Russia? Or in Zimbabwe? Or in Egypt? Or in many other places? Where news is, where free press is fettered? How do you actually do that? Can you do it? And then, how do you have maximum in- impact? And then, the holy grail: how do you measure that impact? Uh, Belinda mentioned Gates. Uh, there's a lot of discussion out there about the actual measuring of impact. So I looked at things and came up with a quite simplistic little theory of change, which I thought I would share with you. Just to, why we? Why, why the Thomson Reuters Foundation? After all, we are part of with a the corporate foundation of the world's largest news and information provider. You could argue, you know, we, we, why do we give a damn about helping anybody else in the world? Other media organizations do their job. You know, we, we're doing it ourselves. We have a team all around the world, you know, bureaus in every country. We have 30 staff journalists working for the foundation covering underreported stories. Why are we trying to help um, organizations from South Sudan to wherever, you name it, to, to cover these stories? And there's there's a theory to it, and it's laid out there. But um, basically, the ultimate goal is is a better world. It's a kind of utopian goal. <clears here. throat> we want to make the world a better place, more transparent. We want people. We want to hold power to account. We want uh, less corruption, greater respect for human rights, and so on and so forth. And you could argue very strongly, and I would make the case extremely strongly, that the media plays a key role in doing that. The trouble is. It's not always so easy. So in our theory of change, we ask the question, okay, what can, what can we do as a foundation? What can we put in? So on the left, there's stuff that we can put in. We can put in our, our staff. We can put in our money. We can put in our time. We can put in research. You know, research from the, the Reuters Institute can feed into that. We can put in the power of our brand, the Thomson Reuters brand, the Reuters brand, the, the ability to be you know, our global footprint. Our, our reputation for impartiality, uh, for, for accuracy, for speed, all of those news values which we hold so dear, uh, the power to convene and so on. We could put all these things in and the way I describe it, sort of shake it up in a big jar and hope that something comes out that will make the world a better place. And it's that sort of second what comes out part that I initially looked at quite closely with the team. You know, what, what do we do there? Because what we're really trying to do is get results in the third column of you know, what that results in. Because we want better journalists producing better journalism um, widely disseminated and hope that that will then go on to have some kind of a societal, societal impact. Now traditionally, the answer to the question what comes out of all of our activities has been one thing. Training. That's what we've done in the Foundation for about 30 years. We've done... Professional training of journalism. Uh, we've trained, I think, something like twelve thousand journalists, seven different languages, one hundred and twelve countries, in every topic you can imagine: from sports reporting, elections reporting, um, all kinds of things. We've we've trained, uh, which is a great thing. It's wonderful training. It's the kind of the practical end. You, if you're at the very academic end here uh, at the Reuters Institute. We're at the very practical, hands-on workshop level skills, professional skills sort of end of the spectrum. And it's a great thing. Belinda used to head the, uh, the, the, the training, internal training in Reuters. It's a, it's a great thing. You train journalists, they go on, and they can put that training into practice, and there is an impact. The problem for me is that I have a huge question mark, and the more I've spoken to people in the media development world, about the actual impact of that kind of model of doing training. And some of you may know that there are many organizations out there in the world doing media development training. There's a lot of donor funding flowing to them. There are foundations, there are groups, all sorts of things on the ground doing this kind of training. And we, we have been with one of those groups. The question is, does it actually... It may make better journalists but if they can't then go and put that into practice, what's the point? If you train somebody, somebody to be, you know, in Reuters values, say, uh, in Egypt, and you're working for an Egyptian newspaper, it's extremely difficult in such a polarized atmosphere to, to write a, a critical piece of CC. You just can't do it. It's not gonna happen. Uh, it's not gonna happen in North Korea. It's, it's not gonna happen in China. You know, it's not gonna happen in, in, in many places. So the question is, how do we get around that? And the answer we came up was is that training is just one of many tools. And I'd like to get away from the sense that we just we do training. We don't really do training anymore. We do we do training, but it's one part of a suite of tools to be used in combination uh, to achieve the greatest impact. And these can can range from a, all sorts of things, from legal supports to projects and mon- making money available, uh, right through to help with the distribution. And the theory is that that, by putting all these things in there, we can, we can have much more impact. And now I'd like to give you some examples of how I think that can happen and, and, and some interesting projects. So we've launched, instead of a bunch of courses, we've launched a bunch of programmes And by programmes, I mean they are there may be training elements to it, but there's so much more. So, for example, reporting elections. We have an election coming up in the UK in in May. Um, So our plan is to choose countries that have looming elections over the next year or two, uh, bring reporters from those countries to the UK, and put them on the UK election trail. Actually, put them put them on the bus with David Cameron if they can get on there. You know, do do it like that. Not necessarily saying that's the the right way to do it, but they can see how the UK press covers an election, and they can go back. Then we'll stick with them when it comes time for elections in those countries. We'll go and we'll offer some sort of mentoring, support, so on that kind of thing. Another example is ethics in journalism. So uh, after this seminar, David and Kate and I will be talking about a kind of hybrid. Uh, events of some kind which in India we're, we're thinking which will involve some sort of practical classroom ethics training uh, along with some kind of thought leadership uh, some, and then maybe a, a public event, a debate of some kind a very high profile uh, event that will create a uh, news in itself and that, then there are all sorts of other ways so the point I'm trying to make is the game is up for training the funders are realising it uh, the Gates Foundation has stopped and they're the big funders of media development. Stop training. They don't don't do training in a vacuum. Pretty soon, it's going to happen. The, the, the European funders is, is the same. We've got to think much more holistically about media development, and that's what I'm trying to do. Now, these programs are the kind of the simplest form of that, but there are ways that can have much deeper impact, and I describe them as impact programs. Um, We're going through a whole new... We're going to launch a new website soon which is going to explain all this. But this is where we go much, much deeper than just the sort of stuff you can do with a few weeks. So the first example is the Wealth of Nations. This is a three-year program uh, funded with money from the Norwegian government, uh, the Norwegian Development Agency, Norad. And the idea is every country has, has wealth It should belong to it in the form of tax revenues, it might be in the form of uh, natural resources and there are many different ways that the wealth of a nation is siphoned off, through money laundering, through tax evasion, through trade mispricing, many many different ways. Um, Let me introduce you to a very simple example. Here we have uh, Caroline, a stall holder in Zambia, whose monthly income is $100. She pays tax, income tax, 5%. We have an enormous sugar company in Zambia. Uh, Investigation shows that although the normal corporation tax rate in Zambia is 35%, somehow this company got away with paying 0% (laughs) in one year and 0.5% in another year. How did that happen? There's something wrong with this picture how on earth did it get away with it and investigating that kind of thing following the money actually involves some very specific skills so the whole idea of the wealth of nations program is that we engage all across africa we're going to train 150 journalists across africa and engage with 12 different media houses in very specialist investigative journalism skills to do with following illicit financial flows. The kind of stuff that, quite frankly, my colleagues in Reuters, most of them, would love to have. I would love to have them. (laughs) I hope to gain them (laughs) through through the course of this. These are very specialist data journalism skills. But it's not enough just to have those skills. We then want to stick with them over three years through mentoring and see the stories through, right from conception To global distribution so we're talking about here's an example that's came out of a a, some early work we've done uh, one of our participants but we're talking about the kinds of stories like the the google uh, and starbucks tax evasion stories we're talking about stories that should bring down um, politicians should have huge repercussions for companies major major stuff and we want to use the power of the reuters distribution network to give these stories even greater clouds. Um, so that's, that's a very powerful combination of training, mentoring, story, production, distribution. And I think there you, have, you can start to measure impact when you see a, a government fall or something like that. Uh, on the screen are some examples of ongoing, distribu- uh, ongoing um, investigations that have come out of uh, recent work. We've just begun this program, by the way, in the last few months, so it's very early days. I won't um, read them out because they're ongoing, for the sake of the podcast, they're ongoing um, investigations, so I'll keep them off the record for the podcast. Um, but you can see the kinds of stories that, that are coming out. And we, we will mentor uh, the journalists from beginning to end if needed. And also work with the media organizations to embed expertise in, in, in the actual groups. That say look, you, you know, you might want to set up a, a desk for this. You might want to re- rearrange something. Do something differently to get very senior buy-in to uh, to following these big investigative stories. Um, I, I, I'm aware we're short of time, so I'm going to skip over the, the wealth of Iraq. We also have a kind of an oil and and extractives industry stream. Big plans for Iraq and other countries, including Liberia, which have been made quite tricky by. Ebola and the rise of the Islamic State. Uh, but we are still actually working in Iraq, but we're doing it remotely. Uh, we're doing a lot of remote, because we, we just can't, we can't go there and we can't move people around. But we are doing remote uh, work, including the creation of this online tool that allows journalists to have real-time um, uh, information about oil, certain oil things in Iraq. Uh, the next example I'll give you involves Russia. Russia and it's near abroad. Media is in dire straits in Russia. If you know anything about uh, the scene there, I think it's fair to say independent media is all but squashed. Uh, It is uh, a very, it's almost absurd. I mean, it's not the word I would use. We have uh, Russia and countries around Russia now. Think of what's going on in Ukraine where vastly different narratives are being told from Russian-language media and non-Russian-language media. I think we're going to see similar situations in other hotspots in the Baltics, in Central Asia. The idea behind this, this Perspectives program is to try to address this issue, but not to do, do it in the sense of, hey, every, all you journalists in Russia, you, you, know, you, you don't know how to do your job, we're going to come in and tell you how to do it. That is not the idea at all. We've worded the, the mission statement quite carefully to try to get around that. Um, the program's mission is to increase the professionalism and quality of Russian language media, including state media, contribute to international and regional understanding, and advance journalistic expertise through training, mentoring, networking events and seminars. So this will involve everything from uh, holding uh, uh, courses in Siberia, right through to creating cross-border investigative story collaborations between Russian language and non-Russian language uh, journalists in certain places to all kinds of different things. It's kind of, a, it's, it's, it's about, it's broader than just, it, it, it's a mutual understanding thing as much as a, a professional skills thing. Now it's very early days and we could be squashed in a we we'll have to see how this goes. But uh, if we're squashed in Russia, we'll, we'll do it around the edges. There's a lot to be done around Russia's near abroad. It'll be very interesting to see what's possible there. The next thing is supporting independent news. And this is where I think we can go even further in the models than I've described already to actually circumvent. So if you're in a country where it simply is impossible, you can give all the training you like to a journalist, but they cannot put it into practice. Well, let's just circumvent that. And let's set up our own independent news platforms. And let's syndicate that, let's, let's use the Reuters model. You know, we are a wholesaler of news. Let's create platforms that, so, so the idea is this. You, you train hundreds of journalists in the country. Uh, you select the best ones, give them jobs on a new independent news agency, which is indigenous if you like. It's not Reuters coming in, it's an, it's an independent news agency run by people in that country, uh, with the support of Reuters and Thomson Reuters, and you syndicate, you have a platform, a web platform or whatever, and you syndicate that news out to, to anybody who wants it. So w- we've done that, in, first of all, in Iraq, Aswat al-Iraq, uh, and the view is always to make it eventually commercially sustainable. So building in sustainability because quite frankly if news businesses go, if, if news organizations go out of business that's the end of the game. We've got to have some sort of future and we can't be supporting and donors can't be supporting them indefinitely. So sustainability is a key idea. Um, Aswat al-Iraq is now completely independent, it's flown off on its own and until ISIS came along it was doing quite well. It was actually commercially viable. I think now it is probably on its last legs, just because it's simply impossible in Iraq now. It's become too dire. But that was our first adventure in, in setting up independent news platforms. Our second one was after the Egyptian revolution. This is a website called Azwat Masriya, which is, uh, we do have an English version of it, but it's, it's mostly in Arabic. Uh, this syndicates accurate, impartial political news to 170 different Egyptian media organizations, who are everything else in the papers is highly polarized, is ridiculously polarized, and yet there's an Azwaat Masriya piece alongside. It's almost a subversive way of getting <laughs> high quality uh, Reuters standards, impartial news widely disseminated, uh, whilst pr- creating a, a, an entire ecosystem that hopefully will have some kind of value outside of that, just the the project itself. In Zimbabwe, we've set up the source. Now, the, the trick in Zimbabwe is if you go in and say we're going to set up a political news, uh, independent news organization, you'll last about three seconds before Mugabe shuts you down. Uh, so what we've done is we've concentrated on Reuters strength, which is business and financial news, and set up the source. focusing It's, a, it's the leading source of independent Financial and business news again syndicated widely. Uh, it actually has resonance outside of Zimbabwe. Uh, it's used uh, investors uh, in South Africa and, and beyond to look to it for information. Uh, it's been very successful, and it was the subject of a, an interesting paper uh, that came out recently, which I can forward to you if you like. L- looking, it was the, one of the, a case study of how financial news can almost go below the radar in repressive regimes. Because, of course, through the story of the economy, you're also telling the story of society. You know, you've got politics, you've got social justice. All of those issues are contained in the financial and business story as well. You know, they, but if you, if you focus purely on the political, you're not going to last two seconds. And our plan for this year is to set up... Um, an independent news service in Myanmar ahead of elections later in the year. Um, We haven't got a name for it yet. Uh, Our sort of working title is Myanmar Now. Could be something different. Um, The idea is for it to be multilingual. We have enough money to do it in English and Burmese. But I'd like to do it in nine different languages because there are nine main ethnic groups in Myanmar with nine different languages and all of them have different media and none of the media are talking to each other. None of it is cross-barned. I would like to bring the Rohingya into the picture, which is extremely <laughs> controversial and difficult. I would like this independent news service to be providing accurate, impartial news in nine different languages for nine different groups. Uh, it's, it's quite, a, it's quite a, again, a utopian vision. But if we can get the money, I think this could have an incredible impact on a country which is highly divisive, as you know. I mean, that would be remarkable. But just also point out that the other part of my job is to make money to do all of this stuff because some of this comes through donor funding, grants funding, uh, but, but we also have to pay. To, this is all philanthropic work. Part of my targets are, are to actually offer commercial services. So we, I've, I've put a very clear firewall between the foundation's philanthropic work and its commercial work because they must be, they must be separate. Um, you know, For example, we, we provide media training to, to companies, uh, to, to governments. Uh, it's a bit of a contradiction if you're training the Abu Dhabi government in media training on the one hand and then setting up independent news agencies. Uh, you know, uh, so we need, a, we need that firewall. Um, but we do offer a lot of uh, services, and this is my business plan. Uh, again, probably off the record, but you can see the numbers. Looking to make big bucks to help fund what Belinda's doing uh, and the kind of other work that they're doing uh, in the foundation um, through media, media training and commercial journalism training and other stuff. So there's quite a lot, lot on the plate there. But this, I mention this simply because this world of media development, I think, is increasingly – it can't just depend on, on, on donors anymore. Uh, it, it needs you know, donors and everybody else – they're looking for sustainability commercial Mm -hmm. sustainability. And so we ourselves in the foundation are having to, as a foundation, grapple with that issue. So half of our money comes from the corporation, but the other half we're having to raise ourselves through commercial things like this and through other other ways. So we ourselves are (coughs) experiencing even though we have the backing of the world's largest news and information provider, we ourselves are experiencing the same kinds of um, dynamics that a small organization, uh, a news organization might be as well. Okay.